Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we are all sworn to a great divide. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Can you believe it, Dan? The first request uh, that we've ever received for a CD review. Yeah, this is amazing. Normally, we just like play the lucky Wheel of Fortune and find out what the next band is, which has come out the last couple of weeks. But this has actually been uh, requested and sounds pretty good so far. Amy and Clayton Carson, they have wanted us to review Mechina as the amb- as embers turn to dust. And good news for them, we'll be reviewing this album next week. Oh, that's a psych. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, uh, we did get our uh, early uh, installment of What City to Review. And it's a big one. And this week, guys, we are actually going to be reviewing Septic Flesh's new album, uh, Codec Orange. But because they did ask for it, we are going to put back the much-anticipated Arch Enemy. We're not putting it back because this reason. You just don't want to hear it. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it, Jeff, no. If literally until the end of this year people request uh, other albums to review, then so be it. We won't be able to review Arch Enemy's album. Um by all means, fans, if that seems like a task that you want to bring on board, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, it's, it's actually not probably the hardest thing because September's looking like a good month for releases. So mm. it, it could be potential, but I think we'll, we'll do our Jimmy just to see your face when you talk about yeah, it. It's going to be a tough one. We're also talking about how people can make money in today's heavy metal climate. Like, what's it going to take for you metal bands out there to uh, seriously make some dough? We saw Dave Mustaine and Scott Ian from Anthrax. And obviously, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. They were asked by Team Rock uh, what what they are doing to keep relevant into today's society. But uh, these days, Team Rock are asking five bucks a month for a subscription fee. So we thought we'd just ask the fans. It's a hell of a lot cheaper. It is a hell of a lot cheaper. That, <laughs> that's how they make money. They make money by charging you to read dumb articles. Classic. Yeah, so we're not doing that. We're just going to go to the source, and that is our fans. We respect their opinion and value it way more than the amount of work that I put into it. I couldn't trust myself to give an honest opinion, right, Danny? Exactly right. And whatever easy, quick way there is for me to make money, I will look into that. Also, we're going to talk the news, so let's head on to it. Right off the bat, we're talking about baby metal. That's right. People are still talking about baby metal in 2017, Danny. Apparently, a lot of people have respect for it, including John Davis from Corn. You know this guy who goes, He sounds like a baby. (laughs) Maybe that's why he likes baby metal so much. He's told the closed-minded metal purists to uh, calm down. Um, He even said something along the lines of, you know, it's just got to be a certain way for some people, and uh, it's music, who cares? Why does Jonathan Davis get so triggered to people who don't like baby metal? I don't know. Maybe, again, he's like helped fund the project or help like style them or something. Because in the end, baby metal is probably just like the equivalent of that like, 80s hair and glam rocks. Like pure metal guys won't like the glam and hair metal bands from the 80s, but they still have a place for it. Yeah, and I can see why people don't like it. It's a little bit like power metal. I mean, after, you know the riffs come out and the vocals kick in, sometimes you just cringe and <laughs> and you just don't like that style of singing. It really is a polarizing opinion. And anything like that that is so jarring where it's you've got such heavy riffs but such pop-centered, clean vocals, it can kind of jar people's sensibilities. So, uh, you know, that's the whole point of them. So having that uh, vitriol come through with it, surely it's a good thing, I'd imagine, in metal. Yeah, maybe Corn's got like a baby metal tour coming up. Yeah, like, yeah no, nah, they're awesome. We love that. Uh, they got the three girls on their next song yeah. album. They're like, what's the hate? Like, dude, they're going to make money sometime. Yeah, I'm like, so, I wonder why. Smart man. 
We're going to talk about Metal Hammer. Uh, they've got the readers and they've asked their opinion on the best metal songs of the 90s. Now, a lot of good things came from the 90s and new metal also came from the 90s. So I guess there's the whole pitch, right? Now, the fans have picked uh, 20 songs, but we're going to pick the top 10 best ones because, you know, you know, there's just you know, the bands in there that everyone knew of are in the top 20. So the top 10 will go, you know, Megadeth with Hangout 18. I could have sworn that song was in the 80s, but never mind. I, I must mm. be really off of it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Pantera Cowboys from Hell. Again, I'm really, I think that that is early 90s, so we're cool with that. Marilyn Manson's The Dope Show. Number seven, Tool Stink Fist. Number six, Metallica Sad But True. Number five, Iron Maiden Fear of the Dark. Danny, Fear of the Dark. Really? <laughs> Number four, Nirvana. All right, this isn't even a metal list anymore. Did, did they just give up halfway through? Can they have some sort of like, you know, people on the top saying, yeah, we're not really, you know, best metal songs of the 90s. Okay, Danny, what is metal about Smells Like Teen Spirit? Apart from the gun used to end the cycle of the band. Yeah, but that wasn't the song, though. <laughs> something else. Well, you yeah, know. Yeah, I know. Grunge is that considered metal. I Alice yeah. Chains, Rooster. Yeah. Oh, wow, they're really stretching here. You know, Marlon Mance, number two, with The Beautiful People. Do you got in there twice? Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah okay. And uh, last of all, but uh, probably least, is. No, oh, no. Oh, Slipknot no. Servicing. Nah, it's not a bad song. Um, I think actually my old band might have covered it. It's um, pretty engaging. One of the more simpler songs too. It's really just kind of two chords the whole way through to a degree. But um, basically, Danny, I've been bad surprised is finding out that water makes things wet. This list is literally the pinnacle of the um, metal heads that uh, really got into the masses, the most commercialized of all music. And maybe they just got the most numbers or maybe they're the only ones who have the energy in life to uh, pick and vote for their favorite band. Well, they're probably... Well, again, 90s kids would have voted for this, so they don't want to actually know how to use computers. Yeah, no one's a Sandman in the list, Danny. I mean, you've got Metallica oh, there with Sad But wow. True. that's interesting. It's, yeah. um, you know, that's quite interesting. Tool Stink Fist, again, I'm pretty sure, I think most other stuff was written after the uh, 2009, maybe, or the 90s. Yeah, I'm surprised like, Mudvayne Dick didn't make it. That was a pretty massive song. Yeah. Was I, that 2000s? Oh, shit. But Pantera as well, you know, like Walk didn't make it. Um, oh, and I think that was like 12th, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Wow. These people are crazy, man. You're very tight. And there's uh, some in the list there. I mean, Hangout 18. I've I got to check this Megadeth thing out. This is really bugging me, man. Uh, anyone on the list that you want to talk about? Nah, not really. Again, look, I didn't see what the list is. Cause normally, these lists, they actually already give you what they think the top 20 songs are. And you just vote on what you think the top 20 songs are. So, th again, this could be like already a fixed list. Yeah, it's 1990. It literally came out in the 90s, that album. Yeah. I had to check. It was going to bug the crap out of me, right? So, uh, there you go. Um, Mastodon. Now we move on to Mastodon with Fiend Without a Face. They're releasing a new album with pretty much no warning coming off the back of revealing the EP Cold Dark Place. It just seems like these guys are just writing new material and writing new material. But after hearing the last album, maybe they're just writing what comes to the head and uh, just kind of throwing it out there. And there's no kind of like way of them going through the song, maybe going, you know what, we've kind of played this rip before, we've done this idea. Now they're just kind of like, eh, they'll like what I tell them to like, or we just can't be bothered anymore. Well, this album was supposed to be just released as a separate entity. Mm. I think it was written by the bass and drummer, whatever. And then they decided to release it under the Mastodon moniker. But again, they've done the thing where Veg Sevenfold did with no success and just released something without telling people. And, you know, Veg Sevenfold, that only happened this year. It's not like you lost your memory. Like, yeah. Let, let's do a surprise release. No, no, that only happened this year. You should realize it's a bad idea to do that. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, they did it. They did do it. And... Avenged Sevenfold aren't a band that are like coming out of their mum's basement or at least they must have done like maybe three albums ago. It is metal after all, right? Mm. 
they are quite massive and they had half the amount of albums sold by doing what now the guys from uh, Mastodon are trying to do. So maybe, hey, look, if you do sell like 4 million copies, only selling 2 million is still not going to be a bad thing, right? Yeah, but they did it. No, they did it. <laughs> oh, they did it, right? Oh, me, me speaking hypotheticals. Uh, another one who might be speaking hypothetical, but uh, we'll never know, is this guy called Everett True. He claims that Kirk Cobain, um, uh, sorry, Kirk, he's Kirk Cobain's friend, right? This Everett True. He believes that Dave Grohl is a piece of shit. The uh, journalist, as they've called it, he actually is a journalist, you know. But then again, if you read anything from CNN to Fox News, I mean, what does that even mean these yeah, days? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, it reads a lot like, uh, this interview reads a lot like an angry video game uh, rant over something he's played on the Amiga or the Commodore 64. Uh, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, I can't even really think anything off in the article that's really a critique on him as a person. It's just basically, he's shit. He's a bad human being. He looks like a bad human being. You shouldn't like him. The end. It was it. He literally had no like stories or nah. bits of evidence saying that Dave Grohl is a yeah. piece of did, shit. Did he did, just, he, did yeah. he not sign a kid's autograph? Did did he like uh, forget your birthday and he said he was going to come to it? Like where where's the motivation? Give us something to work with at least. You know. All I can think is maybe this guy here, who's Kurt Cobain's friend, was supposed to be drummer for Nirvana. They got Dave Grohl instead, and this guy here, we don't know who he is, and Dave. Grohl became to be multi-millionaire. Yeah, maybe so. Um, another problem is uh, with Ghost. The former Ghost members shoot down the lead singer, Tobias Forge. Uh, he's come out and said that the band, it was him and him alone, Ghost. You know, Tobias is like the main guy. It was a solo project. Now, how about that, man? After all that the band has gone through with legal um, problems, you know, trying to sort out uh, the money because they were promised a bunch of money that they never really got. Now he's saying that, uh, you know what? No, nah, it was all me anyway. And the the uh, band members come out and saying, well, not really. Yeah, this is, um, I think, an ongoing lawsuit at the moment. I'm not sure how close they are to resolving it or what the next phase is. But, yeah, it's tricky as well because apparently in 2016, Tobias tried to put to them a kind of like a settlement thing saying, okay, from now on, I want you guys to get a certain package per year. And that's it. So I guess back then he probably started to like, Sit, maybe see the right in the wall and say, okay, and I, want, I want to separate myself and make this a ghost band with you guys being hired like session users, but no yeah. one took it and probably because they saw the right in the wall and said, no, 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 I see what you're trying yeah, to do. Yeah, they're yeah, like, no, nah. nah, he wants full control. He's, he's seen how the fans respond. He's got this godlike impression of himself now and he can really rule from the front. Uh, but like the guys were saying, like Martin uh, Martin Pesner was claimed to uh, be the clothing and costume designer on stage alongside Tobias, you know. And uh, a lot of their gimmick is how they present themselves live. So yeah, it is so, a strong yeah. statement from Tobias to come out and say this and try to and try to help the fans kind of on his side. But uh, I guess only time will tell where we kind of sit with it, Danny. It's, uh, once people start making money, then everybody wants a piece of that money. I know, man. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's that. Actually, this could be. Part of the uh, yeah podcast. Want to make money in the metal scene? Be ghost. Be (laughs) get in a band and sue people for anything you can. Get four other people in your band, right? Eventually, sell them out, underpin all their work, claim it was all your own. Uh, They'll get pissed off and leave. You have all the rights to the songs. Yeah, but like everything, once it comes legal, it's how how to make money being a lawyer, not how to make money being a musician. So. Once you get lawyers involved, you just pissed, you've just kissed all your money goodbye anyway. So it's just yeah, that's right. They're taking all of it, a little bit like same with the kids. You know what I mean? It's uh, what's best for the songs or what's best for the little ones. Uh, hope they do what's best for little Jimmy and little Taylor. 
Yeah, well, apparently listening to heavy metal music is not good for little Jimmy and little Taylor. Oh, that's right. Well, you know, if your child listens to loud, heavy rock music now, he might be a neo-Nazi. Is that why we've got, like, short hair? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> apparently Canadians have, uh, and, and sociologists as well, like, God forbid they're not getting paid yeah. for nothing, right? Apart yeah. from pointing that maybe if you listen to Metallica, Slayer, or another metal band, Nirvana, as uh, we've been told from Metal Hanger. You know, yeah. why not? Just lump them all in together. Yeah. Uh, you, you might be troubled. You really might have a complex and be a part of a violent gang. Yeah, part of a hate group, man. Hate they're, group. They're that way to Listening hate group. To, to distortion, you know. And the, these accusations have been around for many a year, ever since, you know, in the 80s when you had the rise of these evangelical groups where it was like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to hell. I mean, you know, Satan and stuff. You know, Satan music. Like, Satan didn't have a guitar 3,000 years ago, if that's what you're putting things. Like, maybe Jesus is cool with you guys just singing about him in really heavy tongues, whatever. Well, yeah, it's just who it's knows. Just, but it's so simplistic. Oh, argument. it's terrible. Loud must mean aggressive. Must mean you are an aggressive person. Ah, uh, case done. I want my PhD in um, psychoanalysis. You know, a hundred percent of serial killers they had like ninety percent of water in their bodies and yeah. they found them. They all ate carrots as well. Yeah, freaking crazy, man. Can you believe that? I mean, that's the problem I find with it here. You know, they 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 might have fingers and toes as well, and. and and that's the, we're not going far enough in today's society to find out correlations between people's, uh, you know, enjoyments outside of their lives and how we can make that bad into yeah. serial killers. Well, if they're saying like metals evil causes hate, man, those like Wall Street bankers who cause GFC, they must like listen to Behemoth backwards. You know, <laughs> the amount of evil and hate they've created. No, they, well, do they tattoo it on like some kid and then they sacrifice the kid? <laughs> <laughs> then they play that backwards. <laughs> then they play that backwards. You know, yeah. like, there's just no other way. Like, how do you do it? How do you... Can, can you come to those things, you know? But um, people reading the article will know straight away this is definitely just a way of slandering and getting, you know, you know, the heavy metal music away from the uh, the vulnerable in society, right? It's, it's, it's something, unfortunately, our metal heads going to have to, like, deal with for the rest of our lives. Is well, it can't understand what this is new. It's evil and hate. The, the thing is, it's like you think in 2017, these kind of, like, regressive views about music would have died. Actually, even before this, back in the day when the, the Triton was found, everyone was like, oh, my God, that's evil, you know? So back when, you know... Uh, Kitsky yeah, or some classical yeah. yeah Bach guy came up with it man and ever since then we're still to this very day people getting triggered by a couple of notes man and doing yeah. a sound that your kid was doing when he was two months old it's, it's literally just like vibrations of like noise it's just, it's just nothing it's like what are you <laughs> how can that be evil it's just noise being ah uh. You know, I got bitched for this for about another 20 minutes, and I think I might just bring up one more point. It really is uh, a way, hopefully, of people understanding that metal can still be relevant in today's society because these people aren't ever going to go away. People that um, cannot um, understand a genre that they might not like or that might sound unfamiliar to them. And really, heavy metalheads can thrive under this uh, political correctness culture again, which maybe that's what we need. Yeah, I think what they should do the next like federal election or whatever, the first question on your ballot box should be, do you think people who listen to heavy metal are evil or is the music evil? If you think like yes, straight away your vote should not be counted because if you're that like dumb, <laughs> you don't deserve to vote for who should be prime minister or president. Now, Alice Cooper has a guitarist. Her name is Nita Strauss. And she is, Daniel, as a better term, one fine player on the guitar. Can I say that? Yeah, she's very... 
good <laughs> holding that neck yeah she's uh, basically as Alice Cuba puts it a supermodel that knows how to shred she's got the S and the S right that makes Commodore it's the Commodore that's, that's right now, nah, that's, nah, that's, 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 that's a bad thing <laughs> but she doesn't know who the who are who who are you who? I want to know who are the who, Danny. But, I can't even think of him right now. But who's on first? I don't know. I think he's on second, though. What? What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> um, should Alice Cuba be uh, surprised that thirty-year-olds don't know who the who are? Well, I know who the who are. Yeah, but yeah. your thirties. I know. So, okay. I know. I'm thirty-one, to be fair. So yeah. that one more year gets you who experience. I mean, I can understand that she doesn't know who the who are because they're not really importance the heavy metal genre if you didn't know who rainbow was or deep purple or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. it'd be like all right lady you know uh, well obviously she's not the owner of a lonely heart man that's all i have to say she's never had it broken <laughs> now this is what people want to see right heavy metal heads beating the crap out of each other and right now we're talking about archfear i thought about a mosh pit but go on archfear arguably have one of the best album or better or best albums you could say this year so yeah. far um, you know, we haven't heard Arch Enemy yet. Uh, oi, oi, oi. The vocalist has launched a crowdfunding campaign to fight Tim Lambesis. Apparently, he really takes this guy who's tried to hire a hitman to kill his girlfriend personal, right? Wife. Wife, right. Sorry, wife. wife. There you go. So that makes it worse, right? The arsehole tried to have... This is coming from Archfear's vocalist. Uh, this arsehole tried to have his wife murdered. I'm a small dude, and I'm not very good at fighting, but I... Th- but Tim is very large and strong. I think he sucks for trying to kill his wife. Man, so metal. That is so metal. I think I'm it's... Scared. What are you, like, seven? I'm scared. You no. know, like, I used to think people suck when they took my uh, chips out of my yeah. pack. You know how you open but, the packet up and they yeah. would... Finish the quote there. He goes, but also, I need to train to get bigger so I could kick his stupid ass for being a piece of shit. Help me fight him. Oh, my God. This really is how you, you, your ace in my school used to fight. Um, with the same logistics and language and all, this is yeah, this is tremendous. Apparently, this Archfear guy is a bit of a jokester, so he's a okay. bit of a smartass. Maybe that, that's a bit of in cheek, but but it's not in a way because he's created a, a GoFundMe page and he wants two thousand dollars. So if he doesn't get it, he won't fight him. But if he does get it, he'll use that for what like protein shakes. And I guess he like Royce Gracie and like get training on UFC style or like combat maybe. Maybe, but what's it gonna do? Or He's been reading our podcast question and it's how to make maybe oh, metal guy. That's it. It's use your influence that's in the metal scene to get people to find your money so you can pretend to kick up ass, beat up assholes. Brilliant. Yeah. This is and this is where we are headed right now. You need to think outside the box. Yeah. And you can't try to sell your music because after you get it on iTunes or Spotify and that, and because of the law, they basically sell it for you know, they take ninety nine cents to the dollar and basically you ended up with, you know, not only enough to buy a Big Mac meal. We're really looking at now metalheads being creative and almost like outside the box, man. Yeah, diversify your income streams, man. And maybe as a metalhead, you need to do the UFC thing. Look how much that uh, that uh, Colin McGregor and Mayweather got. They're, these guys aren't even holding titles to fight each other. They're just a grudge match, really, you know? And they didn't even have yeah. a grudge against each other. There was like one Scottish dude and one uh, black dude were like, you know what? Or well, Irish, I must admit. Jeez, oh, God, that's terrible to assume someone's a uh, race. That's a... Uh, oh. Some maybe bad karma points. But maybe identifies a Scottish Matt. Oh. In, in any case, that, that kind of money is where it's at. You know, bring metal to the, the octagon ring. Maybe, maybe that's where we can do with our money. Yeah, I don't think there's been any metalheads who've gone into that fighting who, ring. Who would you fight, Danny, in the metal industry? Let's say oh, who someone fight? like let's say you get you got a million dollars for for taking on someone in the metal industry. Who are you going in the squared circle with? Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne. 
because he's Cause frail. Because he, <laughs> he wouldn't rock up. He'd be, he would probably be drugged and he'd just be like, push him over yeah. and he'd be like, knocked out. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a smart man. I don't want to get hurt. But then you would hurt the literally the biggest heavy metal icon that's actually living today. Yeah. Or at least Sharon Osbourne must be pumping him so much full of drugs so he can, she can make that little bit more extra out of his appearance, maybe. It will probably make worse. Zach Wilde probably get really pissed off and try to hunt me down. Like, break yeah, that's up. exactly right. Because then he happen. loses his income stream, right? Yeah. I was thinking, what about Gene? Oh, G Simmons, yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome, man. I mean, like, you'd be doing the world a favour, and literally Kiss fans, I don't think, would be too upset, uh, yeah. you know, with this whole thing about the uh, trademarking of the metal horns and OJ and uh, basically our words and sentences and trying to privatise that so we can't even speak. We have to knock, you know. Um, <laughs> that's where we're at with Gene Simmons, so I don't know. Yeah, that'd be oh, cool. Oh, and probably the Amit brother that's killing Jeff Loomis' career. <laughs> I think. <I'm- laughs> Vendetta. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's that's probably something else. Um, and if you go from Archfield, you're that Tim Lambert's guy. Yeah, we've mentioned him. And, right. uh, yeah. and uh, finishing it off with Marty Friedman on songwriting. He looks at his guitar as almost being a vocalist, right? And I also hear an unrelated news that Marty Friedman likes to have sex with his singers. <laughs> So it, uh, it's an acoustic guitar suit. So the air hole. Well, he must have he must have like a one quarter inch that fits right in the jack hole. I just kind of. <laughs> um, I think what he's trying to get at though, which I, if I actually read the article, which I actually eventually did after making really bad jokes, is um, he likes to have obviously his songs that flow, and you know yeah. his guitar is a centerpiece, and it's very ambitious and epic vocal songs. So does that mean he's a vocalist, not a guitarist? Yeah, does but that... he's, but he couldn't take singing lessons, so he's guitarist. That so he's sings. like Malmsteen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mazzy's one who came out and said, oh, I'm, uh, I don't want like vocalist because I want to be pure to the music and yeah, I want to sing. But he did that because then he sung. But Mazzy's like, nah, I can't. There's no vocalist that in the world can do what I can do. So I just have a guitar doing what vocalists would do. Yeah, I understand where like, Marty's come from. He'd do like the screeches and squeals of the guitar to make it sound like someone's singing along. But no, you, there's no vocalist there. There isn't. But he did have an album that came out this year, Danny, and I think we should ask some metal fans out there. If you guys want us to review Marty Friedman's album, head on over to our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro, and let us know if you want to, because apparently this thing got rave reviews, but we've also got so much coming up this year that we might miss it. Well, yeah, look, yeah, but I don't like, like, we did, was it John, John Strum, John Drum this year? John From, yeah, but that was, no, that was a good yeah. guitarist, that was still a singer in it, it just wasn't very good. Was it? Oh, was it an instrument to album? I thought it was an instrument to album. Oh, man, that's how boring it was. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Anyway, so uh, if you want to hear more from us, uh, or just go over to our Facebook, and leave us a comment or a like. Obviously, you're listening to us through uh, our podcast haven here on... Uh, where are we on? SoundCloud. SoundCloud, there you go. On to, though, our podcast question of the week. This week's podcast question. Podcast question. What does it take to survive as a band in the modern metal or rock scene? You know, I think it really is relevant. If you have a guitar, a drummer, a singer with an ego complex, and the bass player who likes to drink beer and be depressed, then you're in a rock metal band. Is that correct, Danny? You like <laughs> talk about your own experience? Does <laughs> the bass player go for Richmond? <laughs> uh, maybe. But what's more important is that we. Wanted to ask Dave Mustaine and Scott Ian's opinion, like the guys at Team Rock did. We don't have their budget uh, or even the affordability to buy their subscriptions, so we decided to, like you've said at the start of the show, to ask our fans. And then we'll ask the middle brother Dan. And if we've got time, we might ask the middle brother Matt, but his opinion's not really that relevant. Yeah, that's fair to say. 
Go on there. Kaya Elliott. She's responded straight off the bat with successfully touring seems to be the way... I'd imagine it's the best way of moving merchandise. It's the best way of cross-promotion with bands or even with other events. These days I'm hearing about with Triple H, for example, with cross-promoting with wrestling and stuff like that. That's fantastic. Hardcore scene brings hardcore memes. That mm. doesn't mean anything, much like Slipknot being number one in the heavy metal top 10. Yeah, true there. One of the uh, tricky parts about touring I've heard is if you want to get onto bills of big like musicians, like established bands, you actually have to pay to get on those bills. So if, you, if you're trying to make money, you hope that you leave enough of an impact or you get a big enough bill that you can get. Yeah, unless, unless the manager, I think, comes to the state and they know you're making big enough waves that you will bring a crowd for them to buy some more merch to. There is buy-on clauses now, and there are ones infamous with bands like Amarathy and stuff like that. They charge quite a lot. It is a trap. Don't do it. It is um, a haven for a disaster for up and coming bands coming up because you have to pay quite a lot of money and you're not expecting that return. And uh, it really is a bad thing. I don't like bands who do it. Um, I think it's disrespectful. But that could be a way if you've established band, if you want to make money, yeah. just charge uh, newbies uh, a ridiculous amount of money to uh, make it work. Yeah, and just promise them like it's like you know the um the modeling porn industry is like no we, we just get you here yeah. and we'll just take a little bit of your clothing off and we'll get That's you right. fans get you rich and, and then you know. after that you can afford all the lens flare you want in your film clips <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> Daniel Seed of Lad much more practical I like his approach we're talking prostitution drug dealing and selling a kidney on the black market That's right Grand Theft Auto has made a way into the metal society. Uh, after the first kidney, Dan, you might run into some problems uh, selling it. Mm. Uh, maybe the whole mortality thing, like you dying, might be a problem. Is this like a new subgenre, like black metal market? No, that's my, that, that might that's work. That's a new one, actually. Um, yeah. Drug dealing. Uh, you know, if we can legalize marijuana here, guys, I think you have a better chance. Um, you know, the icing is not, not cool. Uh, it just, just does too many bad things. Prostitution is interesting. Um, yourself? Would you try, or would you find other bands a little bit like what Amrathy do and yeah. um, prostitute them instead? But are we just like prostitutes to the man? <laughs> to the money? Yes. Brunker Watson, have a second job. Thanks, Brunker. Um, that's oh, a yeah. great idea. It is the most practical <laughs> and it's a very mum answer. Um, but it does make us feel sad because the whole point is to uh, dream the dream of making enough money that we don't have to work a job we hate in order to do the job we love. Yeah. Going to work and getting paid for it is, I guess, the most satisfying thing to do before you are six feet underground or, you know, in an urn, your choice. Maybe not. You might not get that luxury. Dan, is having a second job a good thing? Well, yeah, good good as entry word. Pra practical, yes. You do need money to survive. You do need money to pay for your guitars and guitar strings or drum skins whatever it costs. So yeah, unfortunately, look, that that's a logical answer. It's not funny. It's <laughs> logical. Be funny. Uh, Mel Bullion, one does not, that's right. Uh, you don't make money in the heavily many industry. Uh, it, it, it can be uh, that way for many a metal band. Um, yeah, probably 95%. There, there, there will be, unfortunately, they tell you about your dreams and many businesses do fail off the bat and being in a heavy metal rock band is no different, especially as part of such an extreme genre. It is very hard to separate yourself uh, out of a niche market, um, but some people have. You know, yeah. Lamb of God, they've done it, I'd imagine. Yep, Behemoth, they've done it. Yep. Slipknot, you know, they've done it, and now they're happy to uh, play songs that would make Stone South seem heavy, I'd imagine. Yeah. 
That's um, but again, this is the thing. It's possible. It's just very unlikely. Meshuggah, oh my God, there you go. That, that's a very unlikely one. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. they found a way of uh, copying the biggest heavy metal band Metallica and then moving so far away from it, they became an inkjet printer. Uh, yeah. Which was really impressive because they made it distorted. All you need to do is do what like a famous band doesn't do anymore, and just call yourself like that band. So just do like what Opeth does, and call yourself like whatever Opeth is spelled backwards. Hip hop is that it? Hith Hith Pope. What does that do? Well, then because people who really want listen to old school Opeth say, "Well, if you want to listen to old school Opeth, come jump on my bandwagon." <laughs> uh, Cam B- uh, Blockland has said, "Get a Patreon and become famous." as Neo. Neo Obscurus, the Sydney heavy metal band that features a violin, have made bucks. We are talking $100,000 a year. Just wow. over. They're making 10000 a month right now. And if you read their um, blurb on Patreon, it is quite long and it is literally a testament to how the scene has changed. And if you want bands to survive, your only chance is to give them money directly. And for doing that, they have a tier system. You give them five bucks, uh, you might get a, a shout out in their thing to 250 bucks where you get free tickets. You get to have Skype talks with the band once a month, etc. You know, you really are part of the family in that sense. So you get the whole kit and caboodle. Is that where it's at now, Danny? We have now gone past um, the heavy metal band where it comes to your town, you get to see them then, you get the money, they collect all the royalties from the album, rah, 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 or record labels, there's a good thing there. Now it's literally like, nah, you have to have the experience of the band. Yeah, that could be it. These days, people want more, for, more bang for their buck. They expect more these days. So many different avenues and streams and services provide that you, they, you really have to entertain them from all points. Mm. Back in the day when you just had cassettes and you just had touring that's pretty much all you could do with that's all the money just came from there because all that money was coming from those avenues now things like spotify and itunes means you're not getting your regular income streams which you you think that would be your main one that's that's your music that's where your money should come being a music band so yeah unfortunately right touring and selling merch is the best way because you can get around like contracts and get around management fees because that can go directly to you if you organize it all that's right so unfortunately it's become more of a business where you have to like diversify you have to, you're battling your competition, other bands, so you can give your fans more of a service, not just the music, but also out of the music is probably where you have to go. And they're actually doing a tour, a headline tour with, I think, Full Louis at the oh, moment. Legion as a well, Legion, sorry, man. there you go. Oh We're going to Legion, man. Yeah, look, um, it was good that they found a band uh, that um, can awesome. play guitar. Uh, they're okay. They they, 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 can sh- they can play guitar at a faster speed than a lot of people can do. Uh, their riffs are... Heavy-ish. <laughs> I'm going to talk about what Shades Von Sintra has to say right yeah, now. Yeah, go back. Yeah, go back. Jay's, Shades Von Sintara, you get a day job being a sandwich artist. <laughs> well, that is part of the second job, but a little bit more funny, yeah? That's, that's more like real, man. Like sandwich artist. See that? But he's an artist out of the music as well as in the music. See that? It's a little Ooh. bit like the whole gender studies thing where you have these like people, like these women and men who are like trying to fight against the oppressive uh, patriarchal uh, obstruction in their daily lives. So all they do is get a job being a sandwich maker. Yeah, way to, way to fight stereotyping by putting yourself in the biggest stereotype possible. I don't think it really relates. <laughs> well, it, it kind of does. It's like you want to be a metalhead. So the biggest thing you do is by being a metalhead is by working a job that isn't very metal. Ah... I said, but what is being a metalhead, Matt? Well, apparently, it's being part of a hate group. 
Uh, we are neo-Nazis, Danny. I like to be called by my appropriate term. Um, there's only one way of putting it. So, uh, Danny, I want you to ask you right now. You are a lead singer in the most prolific and inspired, let's be honest, a power metal band because, uh, you know, you have come some ba- some interesting taste in music, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, okay, go on. What are you going to do to make money out of this thing? Well, in the wise words of Kerry King from about two, three podcasts ago, <sighs> he suck. said, don't suck. So, Matt, I'm just not going to suck. I'm literally going to be the anti-suck. All right. So <laughs> I'm going like- to be the blow. <laughs> All right, so you're not going to be blowing anything, right? So that basically, your male audience there will be either unhappy or really, really unhappy. <laughs> um, Sorry. What else are you going to do to uh, get those people excited about your new falsetto that you have discovered? <laughs> yeah, honestly, if I knew the answer, I would be rich and famous. Right now. <laughs> and all those bands out there be rich and famous. It, uh, uh, honestly, it's probably a lot to do with luck. Yep. I mean, like you have so many talented bands out there who we've like reviewed now. Like we've reviewed that Invoke band from France, great musicians, great talent. Um, Anthreal from Finland a couple of weeks ago, yeah. great band again. And these guys are massive, great talent, great songs. And that's that's probably maybe as big as they're ever going to get. Look, maybe they don't want to get bigger. Yeah, but, when I see yeah. like two thousand to a hundred thousand likes maximum for these, I I weep. I'm like, man, that really sucks. What you should do is you should get like, yeah, like the the thing thing now. So like those really hot DJ girls who literally have no ability to DJ, but they're really hot. <laughs> so people want to watch it. It's like, oh, look at her. She is. What you need to do is somehow make your music, give it to her or those people, and play that, and hopefully they can somehow. Because they have no mixing abilities, so hopefully they just put it on by accident and say, "And because she's really hot, chick playing it, it might trick people into liking your stuff." Maybe. I think that being in a metal band myself, I would like to know the secrets to the uh, the keys to the Lamborghini, if as it would be. Uh, right now, I'll be lucky if I can even borrow my mate's Commodore. So it is a little bit tricky. An SS Commodore. Oh, so many references! Oh my god. Um. So, yeah, with that, I guess it's really up to you. Your power is in your hands, friends. Uh, go ahead and support your favorite band through Patreon, I guess, right now. That, yeah, I mean, look at Winter Sun. They raised $100,000 to review, release an album and do a studio all through that stuff. So, yeah, yeah maybe it's literally just if you want, if you call it swallowing your pride and asking your fans directly for cash, maybe that's the way to go. Yeah, it does feel like holding the, you know, the tin out and just knocking on people's doors. It's like, may I have some more, please, sir? Yeah, but look, it's not an offensive thing to do because you think your football clubs or sporting clubs, they ask for yearly membership. It's the same thing. Just mm. So you ask for membership to be in a, for a band, maybe. It's just, so it's not that And weird. past what Neo Obscurus do and bands that probably were doing it is they establish the really art, they empower their fans. And what I think what they were trying to say is making the fans become an integral member, a family of the band. Like when you ask, when you say, look, if you give us 250 bucks a month, you're more than welcome to be a fly on the wall in our meetings. Um, you know, or even the five bucks even being mentioned in the credits where it's, uh, it really does feel like the extending of, of a, a unit, you know, and it's really like bringing a hand out. Uh, and I hope that that is coming from a genuine place. Uh, I think they do. I think this is really a, something that's an extension of their personality and isn't in a way of just uh, cash grabbing and taking off of these people's money and then never returning. It's no spoony kind of thing where they set up themselves in a name and all of a sudden they cut it off. And then they get 100 grand a week and then they just kind of cut themselves off and then watch them, their profits dwindle. You know, I think it's genuine. And uh, these tours that they're doing, like they said, $30,000 to set up an international tour. Can you imagine that? Before you even receive any of that money back, you yeah. need to throw $30,000 down. It's a lot of money for anyone to just... I mean, you might have a band of five and that's still six grand each. I mean, that's that's 
that's these days that's people don't really have money to, to, to sacrifice so six grand is asking a bit yeah and the government can only help you so much like if you want to apply for a loan or apply for a um because you know the government grants to help you tour you're one out of every other band who's going for it what's going to make you the one that stands out where you need to get that money from being a heavy metal band yeah. where it's uh like we said before it makes about as much money to buy happy meals and uh hand jobs from the girls down uh, grand junction road and they're not the hand jobs you want man yeah what you have to do is like, you have to get someone really famous. So in LA, for example, get like a Crows player, like a football player, to be your representative. And well, say, Tony Modra. He was just Tony selling Modra. petrol the other day yeah, for a dollar in front be, of our house. Yeah, those guys are like royalty here. So whether they say they're always going to get money to it. And you just say, look, man, you keep like even 50% of the money, you've still got 50% money for doing nothing and they'll take it. So yeah, just get smart management. There you go. We've gone from doing a Patreon to getting a celebrity there you go guys hope you guys have your answers answered i think it was more of a question that i want to answer as well because <laughs> yeah. you know one day hopefully i will make enough money to leave my job uh until then i'm just giving the false impression that i want the management role because <laughs> what a way of keeping your doors open by sucking up to the bosses mate what's your five-year plan uh yeah what you what you want me to say to run your one. job better than you do i get a promotion <laughs> Uh, yeah, ask me again in five years. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for answering us on the, the uh, Facebook and all that, guys. Really do appreciate it. But with that, we are going to jump over to our CD review. This week's CD review, Septic Flesh's very own album called Codex Orange. Before we talk about this album, Danny, we really have to set this band up. We've actually had a personal experience of seeing these guys live in our hometown. We did see them live two or three years ago when they toured down with Flesh God Apocalypse. Headlining that show. Septic Flesh headlined. And unfortunately, we only left after like the second or third song of Septic Flesh's set because we weren't overly impressed by it. And unfortunately, because Flesh God was so big and so like le- uh, awesome. massive, yeah, awesome. Yeah. When Septic Flesh came on, not being too familiar with their stuff, I just I wasn't drawn into it. It was actually a step down in sound. And we thought, oh, Whatever. It was a step down in intensity. It was a step down in overall songwriting. It just did not feel like our cup of tea. And uh, I really felt like they might have been overshadowed by Flesh God Apocalypse's intensity, their musicianship, their creativity. So going into this album was kind of like interesting. So we thought to ourselves, you know, is this a band that we could just rip on? Or um, have they changed their ways? Have they seen the light of the devil and uh, got even more hatred in their heart. Um, before we get onto the album, let's give a quick backstory of who Septic Flesh are. They are formerly known as Septic Flesh. That's interesting. Uh, they're a Greek extreme metal band. Did you know that, Danny? I didn't know that. Uh, they're a Greek extreme metal band from Athens. And if anyone in this life has to be upset right now, it's the Greeks, man. The America catch a cold, all of a sudden they have the plague. You know, that's pretty much how we're doing right now as far as the financial sector has gone. So uh, being poor, homeless, how the hell do they get $30,000 to tour? That's even more interesting. That, that is a lot of olive oil they had to sell <laughs> or barter with. They were founded in 1990. They actually yeah. did split in 2003. Uh, and they returned in 2007 when the global financial crisis just just about to hit. Oh, that's the worst time to form anything. <laughs> Or they or sort of riding the walls. Like, Here's our chance to make a lot more money before shit's the fan. <laughs> you were sold a liar. Uh, the cake is not real. Um, they did play with Rage and Aborted and another band, but mostly when I saw Aborted, I kind of tuned out because I'm like, that is a good band to tour with. They have a, they're a four-piece right now um, with Christos uh, Anutuo. One I want to give special mention because he's not only a guitarist, but he's also 
the guy who's important for the orchestral sound of this album. And so uh, we will get into it. With the record label being interesting, it's Season of Mist slash Prosthetic Records. So I don't know if like both of them have their fingers in the pie because they won't let this thing go because they kind of know maybe that there's something to this band or I don't know. I don't know, maybe they have like different representation of the members of the band or maybe like one's a recording label, one's do like um, giving the album out label or maybe one deals with like online content, who knows. But what I do know is that we've listened to this album, Danny, and we've got a lot to say about it. Yeah, I guess to start with, uh, it was good good surprising. Yeah, yeah it wasn't bad. It was good surprising. And yeah. it took us like, for me, it took me one song to really kind of go, huh, because I knew going into this album with all my preconceived notions of the gigs that we saw him at before, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be excited by it, right? I'm going to probably not really like it. It's going to be a bit more slower and blah, blah, blah. First song's here, and I was like, oh, I don't hate it. Yeah, yeah, and I was looking forward to this album because two months ago on Andrew Hogue Radio, when they he does every Tuesday night, he does uh, new songs, new bands, new music. Set the flesh on there. I just was listening to it at the time, and I think the track six or five, the enemy, enemy within the web, that song came on. Enemy of Truth, yeah, yeah, Enemy of Truth. I was like, wow, this is really great. And I was actually looking forward to the rest of this album. Yeah, yes, our favorite twenty four seven rock metal radio station. Uh, kind of hit on the hit it on that song, you know. Uh, the violins are very evil in that, and then you get this sludge metal groove, which is a uh, a little unusual on the album because you have so many different varieties, but um. It's got those sick uh, choirs in it as well. Sad riff out of the chorus. Just a lot of beating to it. Now, the one thing I want to say straight off the bat is it really feels like everything's layered perfectly. And I think that comes down to, from the very top of the guitars, man, those grooves that the guitars are laying down are really solid. They're very strong. And it really gives a chance for evilness to seep through through orchestral arrangements. You know, mm. I find guitars mostly like, for example, with the Third Testament and Portraits of a Headless Man. I mean, the Portraits of a Headless Man, that's like a, synth, uh, a static X groove. It's like... Dun, 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 dun. You can just imagine that... You know, I was like... But it didn't. And I was glad it didn't because that, that was... Yeah, static X. Um, but it's that kind of thing. You hear these really tough, angry kind of grooves that you'd be familiar with, with like Strapping Young Lad almost, or like maybe even Dimu for an example with those kind of styles. But the arrangements underneath it, you have these violins, maybe pianos, uh, horns. Um, it really felt like a tribute to Flesh God Apocalypse. Do you think maybe they did steal off the band and maybe turned it into their own? Uh, look, they might have been inspired by Flesh God because it is, this is, and this is a bit more, you know, orchestral feel. Like Flesh God is still big band, like the band influence, like yeah. you, you're still guitars and drums solid. Orchestral parts and times, but this is more like an orchestra with like drums and guitars with it. It seems like the yeah. it's like a combined. That yeah, these are very, very big on having them share an equal role. Yeah, it does, and I think that's because the breathing out. I mean, you do get your your staples in like black metal and death metal. You know, you got your tremolo picking, your blast beats, and that, but nothing overstays its welcome. You know, and nothing is repeated to nauseam. In fact, everything from the intros to the outros are always a little bit different, and always has a little bit something to spice it up. You know, you've got stuff like piano arrangements. Um, uh, uh it's hard to. Oh, I'm trying to think of what songs have got some good ones. Um. Oh, I can't remember the top of my head, but oh, that's right. For like dark art, for example, you got a beautiful piano intro. Then you got some acoustic intros as well, uh, with like Dante's Inferno, and then you got some like straight forward black metal, heavy metal, death metal kind of stuff with our church below the sea. So there's a lot of like ambition and um, creativity 
thrown into this album. In fact, there's a lot of times I'm like, you've got straight up thrash um, riffs in this as well, which it just shows that these guys are just kind of throwing it all together. No, definitely right. Um, yeah, they, they love their their like string and acoustic intros. It seemed to be pretty much every song would start off with some sort of string acoustic intro, apart from I think it was track two. Mm. And unfortunately, that was probably the only intro which I don't think they did well because they started with a really like just again thrashy uh, rocking riff, and all of a sudden it just it's too jarring into like more of a, like a syncopated type what. Different style of riff, and that unfortunate transition wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. This couple of those transitions weren't good, but some were just really done quite well, especially like track six and stuff, where they do a lot of like slow acoustic sections and then quickly translate yeah. into like a really big um, string and yeah. big bass section. They're great. You know? What I love about this band on this album, particularly, is you've got strong emotional connections. You've got either very dark and evil sections or very sad, atmospheric and depressing sections and they tie the emotion together the album really well and I think a lot of death metal cannot really express that and uh, it's a shame for them not to be able to do it because it comes across as a technical marvel but really with this band what they do well is combine the best it really feels like a black and death metal project where you've got those elements of intensity and anger but it's fueled together to give it depth and I think that comes from great orchestral arrangements great um, guitar work with the um, groove sections and the um, emphasis on staccato notes maybe or mm. just separating apart and the drummer to really give it the extra punch that it needs and adds that extra layer of intensity and um, and talent. You really need a great drummer for these kind of stuff. You know, you need ambition. You need someone who's going to flesh out all that percussive sound. You know, if your orchestration isn't doing it, then he needs to step up and do it. So, yeah, and does it? He does. Yeah, and no, there's times where he, um, just the simple things like increases the like the tempo of his drum roll or adds in the double kick at times. And even though like the same riff for the same instrumentation is like being rep- repeating itself, by him adding those bits of um, extras bits in there it actually gives a, a bigger sound and helps build the emotion in you helps like just create a big sound again and builds up then they like to break the tension like people do and get the choir involved etc so yeah and then coming to the vocals as well you got the guy on vocals at the moment uh his name being uh seth anton uh he's on bass as well uh very cool a little bit like what flesh god do they have the instruments playing and singing at the same time um, his growl man is like a hellhound from the Exorcist movie that is just being summoned through the dark arts of the word Satan and all that he stands for. It is just like brutal, man. I really dug it. It fit the music perfectly. Yeah. It never overstayed its welcome. It had great intensity to it. Uh, it was the perfect uh, way of pushing the uh, intensity and the aggression forward. I, uh, I The only thing that we could argue, however, is the... Uh, in excess style of singing, like in track seven, for example, where it's like um, that kind of like nasally cure 80s Australian rock inspired style. Um, it has a certain sadness to it, though, which works. Um, the tone is just, it's interesting. It's uh, not bad. It just kind of threw me off, which I guess this band likes to do, I guess. Yeah, actually, I would think the tone actually did suit the music because it is somber and sad yeah. and a little bit nasy it goes with the whole like the fetus minor um, chord stuff like key attitude to most of the songs and just it helped again bring the sorrow back to like not just like yeah, the evilness with the um the ground but also brought the sorrow in counter that with the um you know the uh what's it 
uh, you know, the uh, choir and the sirens singing, of the, like the female sirens, say to make it a bit more like I always say, a word when things a bit they get a bit scary and you think something bad's about to happen. Whether ominous, ominous, thanks, yeah. That mixing those together actually thought I thought it worked quite well. Again, you're right; it is a, again a jarring type tone, but you know he normally sang over like the acoustic or the violin sections, so that the string sections, violin sections actually complement that nasal type tone. Yeah. So it actually, kind of goes well together. Um, it's funny because yeah, track ten. I thought it was a weird spot to put track ten. Yeah. I thought track ten, like normally these songs are not normally, but. An album which is very big and a lot of instrumentation, a lot of sound. You think you'd you'd chuck in a, a nice acoustic song just to help break it up and give you like an intermission, like to help break it up a bit and yeah, do it. And what they've done, I guess, track seven they try to do that with addition of the melodic uh, melodic singing and a bit more on the acoustic side. And the last, cause pretty much the last three four songs all have melodic singing in it. Yeah, I guess that's their way of maybe. Well, I just found that track seven, for example, was more straightforward to a black and death metal style. It was very much safer, and then it kind of got the ending with the, where there was more of that singing and stuff as well. So the dichotomy between the good cop and bad cop was there, but it felt like a little generic for a band that had so much ambition going into this record. And track ten had the problem where it was kind of like it was melodic. It was slow. It had rock elements, but it also brought in some other stuff. However, it just wasn't as exciting as the rest of the album. The rest of the tracks, however, oh yeah, you just name it and there's, there's something in that track you're going to love. But it's also the pacing of every track. It's um, it's quite deliberate and has quite a lot of intent. Um, the, and again, those grooves, those guitar lines that uh, really stick out, you know, simple yet very effective and a testament to clever songwriting man it gave everything a chance to, to scream and there is times where guitars can stand out a little bit but they're never over it never felt like a technical marvel uh, at least not from the guitarist example and it doesn't need to be it was perfect competent very strong uh sorry i wouldn't say competent i'll say very strong songwriting and uh well done it's good storytelling good way of doing it and uh really i mean apart from those nitpicks of the two tracks that didn't really for ready for to have another eight tracks that I did is a t- it's just a testament to great greatness really yeah that's fair to say I mean sometimes I feel like they put too much of the orchestration in I mean trying to match that live I don't know how they're gonna match it live oh I think it'll all be done and I um I mean gr- best case scenario they have like a whacking and they bring the the uh, choir to them and the orchestration to them like what Dimmy did don't think they're making Dimmy money right now. Um, so it'll all be pre-programmed, but the the experience of hearing it live with some pretty crushing guitars would be enough, I'd imagine. Quite a headbanger, this uh, this album. Yeah, and it's, yeah, definitely right. I, I really love, like, in track six, like, Marta, where they do that whole, like, difference between, like, the melodic and the chaotic, so they, they combine yep. the two, make it, like, soft and strings section, then all of a sudden, it does really well how it keeps layering on, building up, increasing intensity, increasing, and just keep laying the instrumentation on that, then breaking it down again. But they do that very well, these transitions and those yeah. songs. When you mean transitions, I think the same thing. I think every time you listen to this album, you're going to find something on it that's a little bit newer with all that's going on with it. And that's going to be something to show of the great album. It uh, has a lot going on with the different feels, you know, from your thrash sections, like in track, I think, five, to your more groove metal sections in track two and three, like Third Testament and Portraits of a Headless Man. Uh, to your death metal songs, to your blackened metal songs, like black metal feels. It's really all here. It really feels like the angry of the angry. It, it does remind me a little bit of uh, Flesh God Apocalypse's The King in a sense that it has all these uh, elements combining into it, but it's still, in essence, an angry, dark, heavy album. 
Yeah, I think it's good. I think that's right. They definitely catch again using like the tr- they got section sing- uh, track five, the enemy song again. They use like the horn section, which again it's automatically is like very ominous. And yeah. it mix it with the tribal sounds, which makes it very like a marching, a battling type sound. So combining all those different elements, yeah, they've done it quite well throughout the um the album. So, yeah, yeah testament good. to the boys from Greece, man. You guys must be incredibly sad about the unemployment rates in uh, your hometown. But nevertheless, be proud of what you've accomplished. This album is a great album. One of the highlights of 2017. And we've had some great albums this year. And this might find its way up around the top of the uh, piles of those you know, bands that we really came to respect this year. A lot of them being like bands we've never heard of before. Yeah, no, it's been a good year. It has been a good year, you know. Um, So with that, guys, I want to recommend this album to anyone who's obviously into very heavy, dark-sounding music, you know, black metal, death metal, uh, really heavy thrash metal, I'm talking, you know. This is like... Symphonic black. Symphonic symphonic black and metal, exactly. All that stuff there that if you love your uh, music, very heavy, a lot of emotion, but a lot of punch. Um, it, it really does feel like that. It's, a, it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's just amazing, man. You go through the whole emotions in tracks these days and uh, good stuff, really good stuff, a lot of creativity, uh, something for everyone. Uh, go ahead and buy this album. It is a top, top album. Exactly right. And in words of Septic Flesh, ninth, the lower plane, who could ever guess it is a lake, frozen lake? Yeah, I've got to be honest, that's another nitpick on this album is some of those um, titles of tracks, man. Having metaphors like Our Church Below the Sea, oh, wow, that's uh, something inspiring there. Good old Satan, you know, and uh, Third Testament, yeah. you know. Well, to be fair, that's from Dante's Inferno, so that's him describing from the book. Uh, so that's why. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's ripped off really good bands. Hey, good on you guys, you know, getting all the best stuff from other bands and putting it up to your own work. I'll do exactly the same thing. So uh, there you go. That's our impressions of the CD from uh goodness me uh from, from septic flesh called codex orange uh go ahead and buy it and with that we're into our show Danny. yeah it's been a good week very, it has been very a good week it's very exciting yeah. man yeah we're excited next week we got our first album request there's always a good thing yes we're going to be doing mechina and the album we're talking about is called as embers turn to dust Ooh. first ever actually did we have Braden give us an album to review or was it just the the song he gave us a trivium song to check out yeah, but Trivium hasn't come out yet, but that's another album to review. Ooh, well, you know, unlucky. People are going to have Arch to hear what say about that. Uh, look, let's prolong the Arch Enemy train. We don't have to do it. We don't have to. Uh, and bring on more of this. I've uh, had a good one this time. Go ahead and buy uh, Septic Flesh, and uh, we'll catch you next week. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Heavy Metal Brothers. Have a lovely weekend, and I guess we'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>